under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live as always from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. We're going to talk this week about the Bowie Bay Sox in Bowie, Maryland. They are a double-A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. It is week five of Curved Brim Media Month on the Baseball by Design podcast, so I'll be talking to Patrick Newt. Patrick is with BaseballMapper.com, and he's one of the members of Curved Brim Media. His favorite minor league baseball team, when I asked Patrick what his favorite minor league baseball team was, he said the Bowie Bay Sox. But right now, I am super excited to be joined by the general manager of the Bowie Bay Sox, Brian Shalcross. Brian, thank you for being here. Thanks for waking up early. Uh, yeah, it is a little, it's earlier here for me in Colorado than it is for you in, in Maryland. That's for sure. I'll just, I'm going to put it right out there to you. Why are the Bowie Bay Sox called the Bay Sox? Well, it's, it's certainly um, has to do with Chesapeake Bay. Chesapeake Bay is very, very important to, to this region, whether it's economically, whether it's um, the enjoyment of the Bay fishing, crabbing. And so we are, we're located very close to the Bay on the Western shore of Maryland. And uh, the Bay really is very important to, to us as well as it, as it really is a, a source of pride for the, for the folks around this area. Um, and when we were founded in the early nineties, um, there was a big movement to quote, save the Bay. And the bay still is is not to where it needs to be, but it's it's making progress as an organization called the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, who coined the phrase "Save the Bay," and uh, really their their job is to to mitigate the pollution, um, even sediment. So when you're building houses around here, to make sure there's no runoff into the local streams and and such. So the Chesapeake Bay is very important to this area of the country, and specifically Maryland. Does the team get involved in any way in, in conservation efforts? Is there any sort of relationship between the team and, and organizations doing that work? Yeah, we do have partnerships uh, with the Chesapeake Bay Trust and Chesapeake Bay Foundation. We work for them uh, with them in, in projects that they have, whether it's exposure from a marketing perspective. In really, it's education, um, especially specifically with the, the children in, in our communities, education on on the health of the bay and, and how we can mitigate the issues that the bay faces. So that, that's, it's important for us, no question. Absolutely. The team itself goes back to 1987 uh, when they were the Williamsport Bills. And then they were uh, one of like nine teams that was the Hagerstown Suns. I feel like there's been a lot of Hagerstown Suns out there. But when they became the Bay Sox, that, that logo has been pretty consistent so 1993 was the first year of the Bay Sox. And the, the, the interesting trivia here is we were the last professional baseball team to play in Memorial Stadium. So in 1993, we actually played uh, all of our home games at Memorial Stadium when the Orioles moved to Camden Yards. Uh, and then we moved here in June of 1994. And the branding has remained relatively unchanged during that time, yes? So the, interesting, the other interesting trivia is... We have the longest in minor league baseball with a singular uh, moniker in, in a facility. So we've been playing here in Prince George's Stadium 
since 1994, and we're the longest tenured with the same moniker. That's pretty amazing, actually. That's uh, so since 1993, because I'm thinking back to where I was in 1993. I was watching Joe Carter beat my Phillies in the World Series, right? So that feels like you and me both. <laughs> I grew up a Phillies fan. You and me, uh, my heart broke. I punched the wall, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> it speaks highly of your character. I was. <laughs> I was at the University of Richmond at the time. I was just down the road from where you went to school. You were a kicker for the William and Mary football team, if I uh, read your bio correctly there. That's correct. And I watched that Joe Carter in the in, in dorm room. Yep. Did you? Okay. So we didn't have TVs in dorm rooms. We had one TV that was a shared TV. First of all, it speaks highly of your character that you're a Phillies fan. So I appreciate that about you. The but the Bay Sox themselves, having having that that long enduring nickname and location is in today's minor league baseball landscape, something of a blessing and, and, and a curse, right? Because it's such a convoluted landscape out there. Do you make an effort to, to market sort of outside the community or is it focused almost exclusively inside the community? Well, I think it's important that we encompass the entire region. So, and that's, that's why the Bay Sox is important to us because Prince George's County, it really doesn't touch the Bay. Although, again, when you talk about the Bay watershed, um, every tributary that runs around here eventually reaches the bay. And so I think that that's kind of unique in that we can, you know, it, it, it can be attractive to the, the region itself and the, mm -hmm. and the shed, the watershed of the bay. Yeah. So there have been sort of three iterations of this logo. There was one from 93 to 99 that had like a sailboat and a baseball for the O. And then there was a, another sort of twist on that one that was an oval that had the, the a letter B. And then a, a sort of a base ox with the curved type uh, that was from 2000 to 2001. And then 2002, you have the current version of the logo. So the color scheme has, has been the same, but the typography and imagery has changed in that time. But this logo has been unchanged for two decades now. Is there talk of any sort of change or is it, or, or are you embracing the longevity of the brand? Right now we think we have a lot of equity in it. And yeah. um, so the, there, it, there are some negatives of it. The negatives are the activation pieces. We can't activate like a flying squirrels could in Richmond. Um, and so there are, there are uh, a negatives. In it, and we've tried to address that, as you mentioned earlier, with our alternative identities. Um, but we, we just believe we have equity in the Bay Sox. And, um, and, and we like the fact that, that, that uh, people know who we are and, and we haven't had to really rebrand ourselves um, yeah, not that not that rebranding themselves wouldn't make sense in the future. It certainly may make sense in the future. And you look at the Richmond example because that's one of the the primary examples of a successful rebrand. They really did an unbelievable job in rebranding themselves, and um, it's it's certainly a case study of of how successful a rebrand can be. And the interesting part of that rebrand is the the negative feedback on the Richmond Squirrels was harsh yeah. and immediate. Yeah. And yet it has become the, one of the most successful rebrands in, in history. And so that yeah. tells you, you don't just, don't just listen to the initial <laughs> uh, knee jerk reactions to a name. And um, similar uh, in, in Binghamton, New York, they did a yeah. rebrand to the Rumble Ponies and it was poorly received, but now it's in, in hindsight has been a successful rebrand. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, something, you know, where you have so much equity in this in this brand that's been around for for more than two decades in its current iteration and almost three decades now, I guess this is your 30th season 
as the Bay Sox, you know, that's that's a lot of time to have this, you know, this aqua and orange and black, which these colors, let's talk about these colors here. The the orange and black is an obvious tie to to the your parent club, the Orioles. And then you have that sort of aquamarine blue, which is a tie to the the water feature of the, the Chesapeake Bay. That, you know, that that's sort of a striking color combination that has has endured for a while for this team. You know, that that feels like a very important part of the identity for this team. Yeah. And we try to get the aqua more involved than it is. And so a lot of times when we do alternate jerseys, we we uh, focus on that aqua color as well. Sure. All right. Well, let's talk about you mentioned alternates. So we have you, you have some some fun things that you've done over the course of the years. And I have just a, a couple here that I want to talk about. And if there's any others that I miss, you know, please, please let me know. But I know that you've been around for, for all of these. The, the first one that I remember writing about for sportslogos.net, which was really fun, was back in 2016. The Bowie Bay Sox paid tribute to David Bowie. And that was when I learned that you were not pronounced the Bowie Bay Sox, that you're the Bowie Bay Sox. You, you, I mean, part of what you were doing, of course, was playing on the fact that I'm sure many people pronounce it Bowie and, yep. you know, it's actually Bowie. So it was funny that you all did that. It was so popular that we did it uh, the following year as well. And, okay. you know, because David Bowie was such an eccentric with his, uh, with his costumes, his, uh, that he performed in. So we had plenty. So the one year was Major Tom. And um, so, yeah, it just was so popular. We ended up doing it several years. Sure, sure. Another one that you did for a, a couple of years after that was you you paid tribute to Shark Week, which at the time of this recording, it's actually Shark Week right now, I believe. I think we're in Shark Week right now. But in 2018, you for the first time, you went as the Bay Sharks, the Bowie Bay Sharks, and you had a, a shark-themed identity with the same sort of colorway that you use now. But uh, what what prompted you to pay tribute to to sharks on Shark Week? Well, a, again, it's part of a healthy bay, too. You know, we don't want sharks necessarily but it's part of the, a healthy ecosystem of the bay and so it's not necessarily a terrible thing if, especially in the lower bay if there are sharks uh, but yeah it was it was a way to to uh, again get us to that bay get us more of association to the bay this part of the country i mean i grew up in the philadelphia area the chesapeake bay is not that far from there i went to school in richmond so this this part of the bay and the, the conservation of the bay and the, the connection to the 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 wildlife and the the water feature and all that is is really important to me too so it's, it's something that i really like about about this brand and so because of that well there's two other there are there are two other brands that you all have done and we'll we'll touch on your copa one in particular but before that i want to ask you know as we're speaking about wildlife and and you know marine life and and the bay you can't have the bay without crab cakes right that's a that's a maryland thing so you all did in 2019 you went as you 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 embraced this sort of food frenzy in minor league baseball and and adopting brands based on food items in the local area. You had you adopted because it's the law, I think, in Maryland. Every team in Maryland has to, at some point in their existence, use the Maryland flag on their uniform. And you also adapted uh, adopted the crab cakes as a brand. So you had the Maryland flag and the crab cakes moniker. Uh, how did you come uh, to 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 be the crab cakes with a Maryland state flag uniform? Yeah, that's a source of pride for this area. And again, it encompasses the, the entire area, not just Prince George's County. And, and the great thing about that is, is you have different recipes for crab cakes. And we played the off on that a little bit as well. And, and then, of course, you have um, Old Bay uh, Spices, which is a Maryland McCormick company. And so it's, that's, it's, it's part of our culture. Absolutely. Well, and the, you know, 
coming from Philadelphia, we talk a lot about cheesesteaks or, you know, certain kinds of sandwiches. And we, we, you know, there's, there's, I have friends who are from Buffalo who will get into the nuances of how wings should be prepared. And so the, 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 the mid-Atlantic region discussion about how to best prepare a crab cake, you could go on for hours and hours and hours about the, the ratio of crab to breading and the amount of Old Bay seasoning and the, it, all that sort of thing. So this is, that, that is a, a really nuanced conversation that we don't quite have time for here, but that, that's a, that was a really fun alternate uh, temporary brand that you did. One of the alternate brands that you did that is not related to the bay itself uh, or to, to marine life is the Bowie Studs, which is, you know, I understand related to horse racing. Can you talk about that brand? Yeah, that is one of the, the, the identities that we created that was real hyper-local to the Bowie area. Uh, Bowie has a long tradition of uh, thoroughbred racing. However, the Bowie track is long closed, but during the height of, of thoroughbred racing, and if you remember, uh, thoroughbred racing was uh, the second most popular sport uh, for a significant portion of time next to baseball before football clipped us all. But um, yeah, so that was a, a, an ode to, to the uh, history of thoroughbred racing here in, in Bowie uh, specifically. And we just thought studs was a fun, fun thing to do. So. For sure. Yeah. And that, that Jersey has the sort of horse racing motif on it with the polka dots on the sleeves. And it's a, it's a fun, fun visual brand for sure. One of the ones that I think got the most attention and has, you know, really, I think garnered a really positive response out there in the minor league baseball community in general, the Copa de la Diversión program has been really popular where minor league teams adopt Spanish language identities to reach a, a larger audience. And the Bowie Bay Sox did a, a brand that was the Cangrejos Fantasmas. I apologize for my Spanish pronunciation. I'm working on it. Um, but that translates to, to ghost crabs. So that was super well received when that came out, and Bowie was one of the early adopters in the in the Copa program uh, back in 2018. I think that was the second year and the first sort of official year. Why did the team jump on that program so so early, and what is the significance of ghost crabs in particular? The reason we jumped on it early is we were identified as a market with a Latino population, significant Latino population. So it was a it was a no-brainer for us to adopt the program in general. And we worked hard, and you know this better than me, but we worked really, really hard on that logo. And to, to incorporate, obviously, the cartoonish nature of, of a ghost um, with the actual name of, of a, a indigenous crab uh, called the ghost crab. And it's so cool because these ghost crabs, if you watch them scurrying across the sand, you know, that's why they're called ghost crabs because you barely see them. Yeah. So uh, to me, it really, um, it really melded well with an athletic uh, theme because the Bay Sox doesn't really have that. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, uh, of course, they are native, as I mentioned, to to this area, Chesapeake Bay area. Um, but just the idea that we could uh, launch a logo that uh, and we took a lot of time to do that logo and it really came out great we were very well received who was the designer for that brand um it was actually minor league baseball back okay. back in yeah we we actually uh um had the office of minor league baseball and we we made so many edits and i think they were ready to punch us but <laughs> but once uh once it once it got to the completion phase we were thrilled 
Okay. Yeah, it's a terrific brand. And, you know, doing this podcast has cost me a lot of money because every time I talk about one of these brands, I want to go buy stuff. So <laughs> I will absolutely be checking to see if there is a ghost crabs dad hat on your on your store here. So uh, that, that'll be my first order of business after we hang up. So Brian, this has been a lot of fun. It's a really terrific brand. It's been, you know, it's it's endured for such a long time. And it's it's a logo that I've always enjoyed. And, and I really enjoyed getting to learn more about it and, and the origins of it and, you know, how important the Chesapeake Bay is to, to the entire Mid-Atlantic region. So thank you for coming on and talking about all that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. The Bay Sox are easy to find on social media. Are you on social media? Yeah, I've got Twitter at Bay Sox GM. Okay, at Bay Sox GM. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. All right, Paul. All right, everyone. We are back. I am so happy to be joined right now. Continuing Curve Brim Media Month. This has been so much fun featuring my fellow content creators from Curve Brim Media, Patrick Newt of the uh, baseballmapper.com website is, I, you know, I don't want to use too strong a word here, but hero, Patrick, hero, do you think? that uh... feels like a lot. It feels like a lot. <laughs> Thanks for having me. But you don't know how many people use this website, how many, how many baseball road trips you have helped craft out there in the world because people go to baseballmapper.com and they can find every baseball team that there is on your website and and plot out these road trips. So we're going to talk about your website a little bit because it's amazing. I use it every single year for at least the baseball Palooza road trip, if not multiple others. When I put out the call to uh, to our fellow members of Curved Brim Media and I said, okay, what teams do you want to talk about? And some of them were fairly obvious. But you pulled one out of the hat that I wasn't necessarily expecting. So I'm just going to ask you, what was your connection to the Bowie Bay Sox that made you uh, say that you wanted to talk about them? Well, first of all, thanks so much for uh, inviting me to be on this episode to talk about the Bay Sox. It's, uh, it's, it's a big deal to me because I consider the Bowie Bay Sox my introduction to minor league baseball. And, I, you know, it wasn't something I grew up with because I didn't have, you know, be, being in the Chicagoland area, um, we're spoiled for choice, not with just one major league team, but with two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whenever school, like if I was in elementary school and I did the reading program or, uh, you know, I helped out around the, the lunchroom to earn a ticket at the end of the year, it was to Wrigley Field. Growing up, you know, spoiled with two major league franchises, I didn't know a whole lot about minor league baseball. And it wasn't until I went away into the military that I was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland. I, uh, I did six years in the Air Force, and one of the teams that's nearby, because again, in your East Coast, there's a lot of teams mm -hmm. nearby, <laughs> you find that out pretty quick, Yeah. but uh, the Bowie Bay Sox were always great at whether they had a relationship with the USO on base, um, they always had military appreciation nights, um, I don't think we ever spent more than $5 on a regular season ticket, just a regular ticket ever, Yeah. Um, it seems so small and menial at the time because it was just so readily available to us. Sometimes they were free and it, it just was to get us there. And I had never been to a ballpark like Prince George's stadium in Maryland. And um, it, it kind of opened my eyes to what it is to have small town baseball and the Bowie Bay Sox for the six years that I was stationed out there. Um, 
will always have a piece of my heart as uh, you know, my own home away from home team. So is there anything like, are there any like standout memories that you have from, from going to games there in your time in the military? Well, I want you to keep in mind, Paul, I was young and, you know, I, I perhaps was drinking a little bit at the time, but <laughs> since you asked, um, no, I have, I have got so many great memories. And that's, that, again, that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about the Bay Sox, because they kind of shaped my, my uh, impression of minor league baseball. And actually, it was in 2000, like right after we were there, they were hosting the AA All-Star Game. And there were, there wound up being some studs who uh, made it, who were in that game, um, who were there in Bowie for, for the day. And, um, you know, got to meet players and everything like that. The craziest thing was when I went to buy tickets, I'm thinking I'm going to an all-star game, was it going to cost me a hundred bucks? And they were putting additional seating on the field. Like, well, do, would you like field seats? We're actually going to build a section by the bullpen. And I was like, oh, God, how much is that? They're like, well, they're, I think they said like $25. I was like, yes, yes, I want those. Awesome. So, so I sat in and the third, it's, you know, it says field seat, third base, row D, seat eight. Unfortunately, there's no price on this ticket, oh. but I still have my all-star game ticket from 2000 the double a all-star game the eastern the uh eastern league and stuff was there so i mean it was just what a great experience to be able to do something like that i remember being able to do like you know i didn't know like theme nights yeah. you know before theme yeah. nights became an alternate jersey right you know they would they would do different theme nights but then actually they did have jerseys that we could auction on and i had disposable money as far as i thought in the uh -huh, military uh -huh, uh -huh. and so you know i may have won an auction on a beach night or something and got like a <laughs> a luau bay Sox jersey yeah. i mean just so many good memories out there um caught my first ball and i'll have you know i gave it away gave it to I a kid it oh and then no 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 even better paul oh, oh. i was sitting next to this older woman ah very good and she had to be like in her 60s yeah. you know like something like she was just a little bit older 50 maybe 50s i'm gonna say she was 51 hope she's doing well staying nice and healthy yeah yeah and uh she uh she was at the game. I turned around, caught a ball. Don't know how. I had a couple of adult pops. You know, I don't know. <laughs> that was a regular thing when I went to yeah, Bowie. Yeah. And I turned around and grabbed a ball on a ricochet off of the, the glass, the field box glass. Yeah. And I turned around and grabbed it. And my one friend was like heartbroken because he says I caught it right in front of his face. Oh, no. Barehanded, caught it. And then I turned to the woman and I was like, here you go. You uh, he just, you know, she thought that was the hero. best thing ever. I said, that was the a hero of the interview. The you're a hero. <laughs> so one I guess thing, you weren't wrong. One thing I wanted to point out there, by the way, this, this game was 22 years ago. You still have yeah. that paper ticket, beautiful paper ticket yeah. with like embossed foil on the type there. And yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful ticket. Yeah. What a, what a lesson. Beautiful. For baseball teams right now, the value of the paper ticket as a souvenir, as a remembrance of, of that team. It's fun to look back on this and think about it, you know, yeah. like it just it it it, it uh, the perfect family game, no hits, no runs, no tobacco, like the little <laughs> the little slogans, the things they have, the yeah. all star logo yeah. and all that stuff. It's it is important. And I, you know, I know a lot of people I'm in that club, too, I'm sure. So, yes, yeah. definitely. Please, teams, keep those running. I wanted to ask you, this is, you know, this is a podcast about 
branding. It's a podcast about logos. I talked to Brian Shawcross about the, the, the Bay Sox brand. And one of the things that, that came up about this brand is that it's been pretty consistent, you know, same color palette, same name for a couple of decades. They've, you know, redesigned the logo itself a couple of times, but in the whole or on the whole, it's really been pretty consistent as a brand for a long time. In minor league baseball, that's not necessarily a good thing when it comes to your marketability, when it comes to getting noticed out there. I mean, this is a constantly shifting landscape. You guys, you and Corey Neeson, the, uh, you know, your, your partner in crime with BaseballMapper.com, you guys do a ton of travel. You go to a lot of baseball teams. You're really well-versed in, the, in the, the trends and the marketing, everything that's going on in the world of minor league baseball. What is the advantage to a team of having a, a sort of classic continuous brand as compared to all of these other teams and you guys see so many of them all of these other teams with these new and increasingly wacky logos and nicknames yeah i think that's a, a really good question i think what what helps with them in particular and i and i know exactly what you're talking about because i i we were i was stationed there from 1999 to 2005 and they actually went through a brand refresh around mm -hmm. that time they changed mm -hmm. up their logo a little bit the uh the logo had been just this kind of a, a like a solid b and there was like a sail almost a part of it yeah but really kind of going with this water theme which plays with the the idea of the harbor and yeah. and being so close to the water in that case there's a lot of beaches around that area too uh, when you're you're on the coastal side of Maryland. And so um, they changed from that and really kind of adapted the Orioles uh, color scheme. Mm -hmm. That whole mm -hmm. colorway kind of went with that. They have a little teal in there, what makes it a little different. Yeah. But when they changed and they, they kind of, they embraced, I want to say it was like in 2002, 2003, you would know more than me. Um, but, but it it definitely took on more of an Orioles look. And that was important, I think, in terms of when you think about the branding, and I see it, I see it actually locally where I'm at in the Chicagoland area with the Cubs minor league affiliations. Um, it's like there's something to be said for seeing these players wearing the minor league uniforms and then ultimately becoming. Orioles one day so mm -hmm. wearing that 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 Bay Sox logo that is very kind of that it has a kind of a standard look I think it's I think it's pretty it has a pretty mm -hmm. kind of a sweeping wave logo to it mm -hmm. um but it, it definitely adapts the the Orioles colors to the point where you've got like orange bill black hat white mm -hmm. front with the logo which is very much like the old school Oriole hat which is a favorite like uh, uh you know probably a top five, top 10 favorite along the league. Right. Um, very popular. And there's something to be said when in my time period, I'm going to mention a name. I remember seeing from Bowie in that time and seeing him at my $5 military appreciation night <laughs> was Nick Markakis. Oh, wow. Nick Markakis was coming up at that time. And there was a bunch of other, you know, Melvin Mora, that young group of Orioles, um, they got they you know they they uh they they kind of were were building their skills in Bowie just a, a couple of levels below working the way up Jason Worth, um all these players kind of built their way up and it's there's something to be said of seeing your 
your hometown players yeah. uh, wearing the colors, wearing the logo that kind of fits with it. And again, like I said, you see it with like the South Bend Cubs, the Iowa Cubs, they go right down the line. And I know you're not crazy about it, neither <laughs> am I, but they've tried to find a way to, you know, even the Tennessee Smokies, right? Sure. They take the colorway of that logo, right. of that uh, team, and they they keep their their players in that blue, red, and white right of the cubs and i think yeah. that's that's really worked for the last couple of decades yeah. for the Bowie bay Sox. well and i i'm a fan of that and you you saw me cringe when you mentioned the south bend cubs <laughs> and the iowa cubs because you know how i feel about teams being named for their parent clubs but one of the advantages i think of the the new arrangement in minor league baseball uh, in the in the last couple of years since major league baseball took over is the longer player development contracts. And so now we have 10-year player development contracts instead of two, four, or six-year player development contracts. One of the advantages to that is that these teams can invest a little bit more in brands that don't adopt the, the parent club's identity, but relate to their parent clubs. Now I think it's easier for teams who are not necessarily owned by their parent club to, to invest in a, in a brand that actually does relate to their parent clubs in some way. And so the Tennessee Smokies, I think, are a great example of that because they're a team who, uh, you know, they they have a very Cubs-ish identity, but the the nickname and the logo are uniquely theirs. The Iowa Cubs, I just I'm sort of yawning just thinking about them. I'm sorry, Iowa I Cubs know. fans. <laughs> it needs it needs a little work. It doesn't have the luxury, I think, of the yeah. Bay Sox. What's unique right. about the Bay Sox is, like I said, it you know I think about the the time I you know you're not too far away from Ocean City in Maryland. Yeah, that's a, like I think a, an hour and a half two hours if i remember correctly i know we used to make day trips to all these places i had friends who lived in north beach yeah um in maryland so it is very much um a coastal community yeah and so you you adapt the colors you adapt the namesake of that um and i just i remember pulling up to prince george's stadium and it it's like kind of nestled in the community it was like i almost remember it like i think it's behind like a home depot it's like a huge parking lot that's kind of set back out into um the the wilderness a little bit back yeah. there and you, you wouldn't know it from the road yeah um except for a couple of signs but um but again you're you're 25 30 minutes from baltimore yeah and and it's like that you're if you're an orioles fan mm -hmm. and if you live in Bowie, maryland you are um yeah. if you're an orioles fan you are watching that homegrown talent, you know, just 20 minutes away, you know, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And Baltimore, I think in particular, the Orioles have always had their affiliates nearby. I think three of their four affiliates were in Maryland. And then you had the Norfolk Tides who were, mm -hmm. who were not. So, but now you've got, but it's you've close. got, yeah, it's, it's close. Right. So you've got the Bowie Bay Sox at double a, and then you have the Delmarva Shorebirds and there uh, one of the things i love about delmarva is delmarva is delaware maryland and virginia because they play out there on the uh the 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 peninsula and mm -hmm. then the aberdeen ironbirds right like so all of these teams first of all all of these teams incorporate orange in some way and they all except for norfolk except for the norfolk tides at AAA, are in maryland so baltimore i think has done a, a really good job of sort of creating a a consistent pathway while having unique nicknames on their, uh, you know, for their minor league teams. So that's, that's a fun thing about, about them. If I were to go looking for 
all of the uh, Orioles affiliates, or if I was trying to create some sort of road trip where I could see all of the Orioles affiliates in say a you know four or five day stretch, I would start with the website baseballmapper.com. This is where I start every year trying to plot out our annual baseball palooza road trip. And I was using that website long before you and I actually knew each other. But this this thing that you guys created is such an amazing resource for, for baseball fans and in particular those who like to road trip for baseball. So I'll just ask you for the uninitiated. I can't imagine anyone who listens to this podcast doesn't know Baseball Mapper, but can you just tell me what Baseball Mapper is and how it came to be? Baseball Mapper is a site that was built by uh, both myself and Corey, a, a couple of guys who love to travel for baseball. We got our friends uh, to kind of go along every summer on a baseball road trip. Sound familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's And it turns out there's a lot of people like you and I, Paul, that that love to, whether it's plan our trips around it, families reuniting in, mm-hmm. in, in cities with ballparks, mm-hmm. um, uh, people who choose to travel to locations and include a baseball game as a part of the itinerary, as opposed to like, going bowling or going to see a movie they catch a ball game um this is we we kind of put this thing together for people like us who like to travel around and see the country uh through baseball and there's there's always more baseball to find we figure that out every it's almost like every week somebody is contacting us and like hey you know you're missing this or uh this team moved here you know, there's there's a hometown team for everybody somewhere in the country, just about. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can get a ticket to go to the ballpark, we want to put it on the map. And that's something we decided to make because one day we were traveling and we were in, in Houston, Texas for an Astros weekend. And we, we we're going to go see the Astros, but we're looking for something else to do besides the Space Center, which I'd recommend mm-hmm. for anybody. Mm-hmm. Very important to do that as well. Um, and go out drinking, which I would recommend for everybody as well. We did that as well. <laughs> um, but uh, we were looking for more baseball and we were Googling, 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 trying to find something. And Corey and I came across the Brazos Valley Bombers, which is a Texas collegiate league team um, out in Bryan, Texas, uh, College Station out there. And it's about an hour, 20 minutes away. But if you're a baseball tripper, that's easy. You yeah. know, like that's that's that sounds like a a, a road trip so um you know that had us thinking what what other baseball is there that we've never heard of yeah. leagues we've never heard of and yeah. um where are they and it turns out hundreds there are hundreds of teams yeah. and there are leagues all over the country small even some that are big that i didn't realize were there and mm-hmm. i didn't even realize you know living in the chicagoland area we're, in, we're, you know, if you put an hour and a half radius around us, we've got about 15 or so uh, baseball teams in different leagues just in the Chicagoland metro area, Chicago, Milwaukee area. And that, that's crazy because yeah. we didn't even know they existed. And, yeah. it, you know, different leagues, different levels. And it's like that for a lot of people. And so if yeah. you like to travel for baseball, if you just, like I said, if you are, if you somebody has to travel a lot for work, mm-hmm. um, and you are find yourself in a small small town America, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, We've been talking mm-hmm. about with Bowie. Yeah. Um, you find yourself in a small town. Um, you're going to look for what is there to do, and chances are there's baseball, man. There's baseball everywhere. What year did you guys launch it? So the best part is we launched it in 2020. 
unbeknownst okay. to us, it was February <laughs> of 2020. We were putting putting it together, and I mean, if you remember, a month later, yeah, the world shut down. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we had to kind of get creative, and um, we we had some ideas of things we wanted to do, but we had to kind of scrap them, and instead yeah. dove a lot into social media, which is mm-hmm, awesome because mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, led mm-hmm. me to people like you. Um, and we uh, we wound up digging hard to find where in the country there they were playing uh, baseball during COVID in 2020, and we wound up making a little sub map of those teams. Those just some teams just have never played again. They just yeah. got together and played for that uh, season in particular. So it was a really yeah. unique year, but it brought us kind of together in the baseball community. So in 2021 when all the training wheels came off uh, and there's 900 teams active on the map. Um, yeah, that, yeah. that was, uh, that was a good option. I remember having to plan these, these road trips using, you know, minor league baseball had a website where, uh, you know, you could look at all of the affiliated teams sort of by state. Right. And so, you know, I used to have to go sort of map those out myself and, you know, and you would check each of the sort of major independent leagues and, you know, you could map those out. And so, you know, on, on uh, baseballmapper.com, you can actually just check a box and you can say, okay, I want all the independent teams. I want all the low A, high A. It's an incredibly useful resource. And I love that you guys are part of Curvebrim Media and look forward to many more collaborations in the future, including, uh, well, at the time of this recording, it is before my annual baseball Palooza trip. But when this drops, it will be after the annual baseball Palooza trip. And we have tentative plans as of this moment to hang out at a Fort Wayne Tin Caps game that is currently in the future, but at the time this drops will be in the past. Yeah, I mean, me too. I'm glad to be a part of it too. I'm glad that we got to meet up in, in Fort Wayne and, and hang out at the Tin Caps game. And we we both used the map to travel there. See, now I'm talking, I'm almost <laughs> like a time traveler. Yeah. I'm you, a time traveler now talking about future in the in the in the past right so right yeah it's like i'm marty mcfly or you are i don't i don't remember <laughs> I, I feel like we should we should record some alternate endings here like you know like <laughs> yeah. I, I can't believe that grease fire took out half the grandstands <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome and choose your own adventure it's a yeah, choose your own go. adventure for <laughs> the baseball travels can I you love, believe all the fans it. started throwing apples on the field that was incredible <laughs> we could actually make that happen we could yeah we could will that into existence (laughs) patrick you are one of my favorite people this has been so much fun so glad that we've gotten to meet at a couple of baseball games and uh that there are more to come and can't wait to have you back on the podcast again thanks so much for having me anytime i get to talk about the Bowie bay Sox, bring back those memories i always have a piece in my heart man uh Bowie, maryland and 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 the, the six years i spent out east will always be a little bit of home Thank you so much. I appreciate everything. Look forward to more baseball games, more baseball mapping, more road trips. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. Hang on, everyone. It's time for a Marvel Comic Universe style post-credit sequence. I'm very happy to be joined right now by a new contributor to the Baseball by Design podcast, our resident wildlife specialist, Ranger Amy, Amy Burnett. Ranger Amy, how are you doing? Thank you for being here. I'm doing terrific, Paul. Thanks for having me. You are a a, a naturalist, a, a nature interpreter, a specialist on on animals. You live in Arizona now. You grew up on the East Coast. You've got a sort of wide range of of expertise in in animals 
and so we're going to have you on an, on, a, on a regular basis here to talk to you know to how some of these animals serve the minor league baseball community. This episode of Baseball by Design, we're talking about the Bowie Bay Sox, uh, who play on the Chesapeake Bay. They have a Coba de la Diversión brand, which translates to ghost crabs in Spanish. It's Cangrejos Fantasmas. And so we talked a little bit already uh, with Brian Shalcross from the team about the about the ghost crab, but I wanted to bring you in, a wildlife expert, to talk about this this species that is endemic to the Chesapeake Bay area, and to talk about like what are some some of the qualities of this this animal that would make it appropriate for a baseball team. So first of all, can you just give us like a quick overview of like what are some what are some highlights of of the ghost crab as an animal? What are the things that make it kind of cool and fun? Ghost crabs are awesome because they have these adaptations for escaping from predators. They're very fast and they can also disappear into the sand like ghosts because they can change their coloration with the sand. Very cool. Yeah. So, so this logo is super cool and you've, you've seen the logo and uh, I think that the listeners of this podcast understand that you are a, uh, a big baseball fan. And so this is you know near and dear to your heart, not just from a wildlife perspective, but from a, from a baseball perspective, the, the the ghost crab itself as a as a mascot for a baseball team you were just sort of describing a certain uh flexibility and and uh, unique skill set that it has as an animal what do you how do you think that applies to the ghost crab as baseball mascot so i think if the ghost crabs were baseball players they would be either utility players or pitchers and here's my reasoning they are very fast, so the scientific name actually means fleet-footed, so they're super fast crabs, but they also have eyes that rotate 360 degrees, right? This is pretty sweet. That sounds really useful in a baseball situation. I would think so. So they know what's going on around them or on around them all the time, yeah. and that's why they're so hard to catch when you find them on a the beach, but there's a skill. So if you ever find yourself in the Chesapeake Bay area and you're looking for ghost crabs, you're going ghost hunting ghost crab hunting that is, then you might need a flashlight. And if you shine your flashlight in their eyes, then it kind of stuns them for a little bit and you can pick them up or take pictures or do whatever. It it sounds like they might actually be really good as like a pinch runner, like in a, in a situation where maybe- Oh, I see what you did there. A pinch runner. I did, okay. I'm going to claim credit for that joke. <laughs> a pinch runner with their little claws, right? But um, I pinch, I pinch, Paul. <laughs> But I'm thinking of uh, their their rotating eyes, right? So if you're if you're a, a base stealer, you're on second base and you're trying to steal third, and you can see behind you whether you know whether anyone's trying to sneak in behind you for a pickoff play, those rotating 360 degree eyes there might be super useful. So yeah, and for a crab, it helps them not to be picked off by seagulls, which is why they have them. But as a baseball player, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it'd be very useful on a baseball team. If they were a pinch runner, you could call them a ghost runner. Oh, that's a stretch, Paul. <laughs> uh, come on now. I think that was pretty good. Um, all right. So why are they why are they called ghost crabs though? Why why that name ghost? They're called ghost crabs because they are nocturnal, so they're out at night. They're very light and colored, so they look like a ghost. And then also they can kind of disappear. So they can put they can change color to the color of the sand. And then they sort of put themselves underneath the sand, like just barely, and so they can hide. So they're kind of disappearing. So in a way, they're super secretive, hard to see, and you might just see them 
and then they're gone and you might like it's a ghost. Another cool thing about them is they have one claw that's bigger than the other and it actually looks like a baseball glove. So you're going to have to look at some pictures and see one claw is bigger than the other. This is even more amazing. And you know what? That is reflected in the logo as well. That is some high quality work by the logo designers who created this. That's really good. That's really good. Sure. That's a good little detail. It really does. It looks like he's wearing a baseball glove. Doesn't it? Yeah. Cool. Like one of those gigantic, like first baseman's gloves that just yeah, sort of... kind of oversized and so yeah. good at catching. So yeah, I mean, they, it's kind of a cool mascot for a baseball team, really. I think utility player is the thing, right? Like he's got the glove for catching. He's got the the speed for, for being a pinch speed. runner. And, and uh, they're nocturnal. When are most baseball games? At 7 night. 7 p.m. So other cool things about ghost crabs is that they, um, when males are in breeding season, they strike a pose. They don't mm -hmm. actually fight physically, so they would not do well in Boston. So they're probably not <laughs> going to go to the Red Sox <laughs> when they grow nice. up. But nice. they actually just strike poses and they will lift their bodies up or lift their arms up. You can't see because it's a podcast, but I'm doing this crab motion with my arms. And you they're are striking totally a pose. doing like a crab dance right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're striking a pose and they basically intimidate the other male. And then the other male will be like, oh, you're mm. too big and badass. So then um, he just, the other, one of the males will back down and then, the, then he gets the girl. And if one doesn't back down, then the shoving contest sometimes ensues. But usually the po striking poses is all. So it's almost like a dance off, you know. If we're being honest, that actually sounds like pretty much every fight in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Ranger Amy, there are so many teams in baseball named for animals. And so we're going to have lots of occasions to, to break down what makes them all great logos because they're all great logos, right? They're all just so much right. fun. And we yeah. love minor league baseball. So thanks for coming on and, and thanks for being Baseball by Design's new wildlife consultant. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>